Welcome down to my nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. You are listening to Bucks in the Basement. My name's Chris, and Craig here is the biggest Pirates fan you'll ever meet. Let's talk Pirates baseball now. Welcome to Bucks in the Basement. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next day. the nine foot homemade oak bar pour yourself a cold one my name is chris his name is craig i'm trying to clean out the last of the oktoberfest beers craig as you can see i'm still using the uh, the german stein as soon as i can finish i have three of them left here in the fridge in the bar and the moment that i'm done with my fest beers i can i can retire the stein until next fall but we're into november and i have to clean out every day that an oktoberfest beer survives past the end of october I feel dirty. I feel wrong. I feel like I have to finish it. How are you? I'm not doing too bad, man, but I, I went out to the beer distributor and the crazy part is, is I saw like Christmas beers already. It, it's, it's absolutely insane. That's what I should be moving on to at this point. You yeah. Know? I mean, I, I guess so. If you're going to be drinking that for Thanksgiving, I mean, well, I, what I'm, what I'm into now are my stouts. Like I, I like my barrel aged stouts. I like a good Guinness every once in a while. You know, I, I become like a Guinness fan again. Uh, and the reason I do it is because it feels like it's heavy. It feels like I'm drinking a real beer, but it's got about the same calories as like a light beer. And so I won't get fat drinking it and it doesn't have a lot of alcohol, so I won't get drunk drinking it. And so I won't be like a fat drunk all the time. Sam, what's the point? Well, because you can't do that every day. All right. You can't do that every day. All right. But first I have to get rid of the Oktoberfest beers. Much like the uh, the Atlanta Braves need to get rid of the Houston Astros. I'm so pissed off at the Braves for getting a grand slam in the first inning of game five at home. You're up three games to one over the hated Houston Astros. And I, I believe that if you are a baseball fan, you have to be rooting against the Astros. They're the cheaters that got away with it. And, and, and they've, they're just like the evil empire. I, I believe at some point we're going to find out that Dusty Baker has some sort of transmitter inside of that face mask that he wears because he only has it on just a couple times a game. Like he's afraid of COVID, then he has it off, then he has it on, then he has it off. And, and I'm just trying to figure out what he uses it for. Because when I see him standing in a crowd in his dugout and he has it off and he's hugging people, and then the next half inning he has it on again because now all of a sudden he's very COVID conscious. I can't figure it out. So I'm trying to find out, like, will they discover at some point that there was something inside of the mask? That's how much I trust the Astros. That's how much I hate the Astros. So when you get a grand slam, I don't know why the Braves trot out that kid again that had like a couple of starts. I think the last time he had been in the majors and had a, and pitched any games was in June. And it was fine to use him as an opener. But once you get a 4-0 lead, why is he out there giving it back? Bring everybody out and win the World Series so the rest of us can start our offseason. Because now we have to wait because of you, Atlanta. You screw that up. Game five should have been yours. You had a golden opportunity. You blew it. Yeah, because I was looking at it just the other day and I was thinking, okay, if they if they can win this today, then on Friday, pretty much we can start our offseason. 
we could start making some moves, at least seeing some guys coming off the, you know, the 45 man right now for the Pirates. Actually, it's 48, but three guys go off at free agency like the minute the World Series is over. Right. So it's like 45. So I'm just like, can, can we just get this started? And now, because, of course, you know, you can't compete and you got to have a travel day and whatever it is. You can't compete with Monday Night Football. So then, you know, it goes to Tuesday. And so now we're looking at, like, Sunday of seeing actual baseball stuff happen. And, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. And the worst thing is we're not going to see enough baseball stuff happen. Like December the 1st at 11.59 p.m., the collective bargaining agreement expires. And if they don't have an agreement, the owners may choose to lock out the players, which means they'll shut down all business operations, which means there'll be no winter meetings, which means you won't see any moves made. Now, earlier in the day is the non-tender tender deadline, which is hysterical because what they're going to do is they're going to decide who's tendered, who's non-tendered, and then they won't be able to do anything about it until the CBA is signed. Now, I hope they don't do that. And I personally think that even if there was a lockout, we're talking a couple of weeks because both sides are motivated to not have a work stoppage or one that lasts for a few weeks because they lost so much business in 2020. And the fans, I don't think, are going to put up with it. I think that it's going to cost them more money trying to get the deal perfect than to just come up with something that'll get them through the next four or five years. And both sides are going to have to go in there and actually make some sort of concessions. And I would expect that they will. Because, look, I've done this before, Craig. I've been a labor negotiator. It's a little-known fact about me, but I will share this with you. I worked in a 911 center, and I used to negotiate the contracts for the 911 center. And I would sit there with management, and I would go in and ask for a bunch of ridiculous things that I was never going to get. And they would ask me for a bunch of ridiculous things they were never going to get. And then it just came down to whether or not we could act like adults and get to what we all knew was going to be the end game. And, you know, you're going to have your union members that are going to want a bunch of crazy stuff. And you're going to want to have your owners that are going to want a bunch of crazy stuff. But the idea is how motivated is everybody to get something done? I think they're motivated. I think what we're going to unfortunately get for the first month here is only trades, you know, and maybe a few small minor roster decisions. Then we're going to have to get over this hump and then hopefully we'll start to see more action in the offseason. Chris, you would pretty much be uh, the best person to play that game. What's it called? Like two truths and a lie. Because it'd be like, and I, and I, and I, I negotiated a labor <laughs> agreement. Two labor agreements. Be, two labor be, agreements and I won a multi-million dollar uh, settlement um, when they broke the contract and I took them to court uh, or arbitration and won a multi-million dollar settlement that got people paid all kinds of money. Because they violated the contract. Yeah, I did that. Like I was, I was, I was, uh, they actually promoted me. I went from being a regular 911 dispatcher to being a dispatch supervisor because that got me out of the union because they couldn't deal with me because I was just really, really good in there. You know, in fact, the, the attorney for the other side came to me after I got promoted and was like, that's old school because they, they were just sick of losing to you. So now you get more money <laughs> and you get an office. And I was like, I'll take it. Like, you know, like that's so. So how so how do we how do we get you in the room <laughs> with, with with Manfred and Clark and get this like squashed? Well, well, here's the thing with Manfred and Clark. I mean, like we all think that it's just these two guys talking, but Manfred's got to go back and make sure that the owners are happy with what he does. Absolutely. So he can't agree. There's not going to be a moment in the meeting where it's like, hey, hey, uh, yeah, we'll give you this. I mean, everything's pre agreed to, and Clark has to do something that he knows the majority of his members will sign off on. There's no way he makes them all happy. So he hopefully now has done his job over the last year or so if he's well-prepared. 
of knowing what the majority wants that he can get the thing passed. Because there's going to be union members who will be like, well, if we don't get A, B, and C, I'm not voting for it. And there's no way you're getting that for them. Like, what I always used to make the joke with people is like, well, what does your side want? In fact, I think I started a negotiation off with us because it lightened the mood in the room. I'm sitting at the negotiating table, and the other side goes, well, what, what do the, uh, the employees want? And I said they would like more money and they would like to work less. And everybody just started laughing. But that's basically, <laughs> that's basically what they wanted. That's what, what all unions want. Can I get more money and more time off? We would like you to take away these job responsibilities that we hate because we find them to be stupid. You can't get that done. Like, no business works that way. It's just like there's no way that management can walk in and say, we would like you to do more for less. Or we'd like you to keep doing it for the same amount of money, even though the cost of living has gone up. So we all, you know when you go into these negotiations, there's things that have to be done. Like, the owners know that the players want certain things. Like, that they want, uh, the, they don't like the way that players can be controlled by teams. Which is why their opening salvo, which is really interesting, is everybody's a free agent at 29 and a half. Doesn't matter if your service time is manipulated. Now, that's a negotiating tactic that the owners offer that. Okay, but the reports are they offered it, which is really interesting. Like if somehow that was agreed to, Aaron Judge suddenly becomes a free agent in the offseason. Yankees would just be in a panic. Okay, it doesn't affect that many guys. But but the weird thing about that one, though, is that like for these guys that come up when they're 21, 22, does that apply to them, too? Yeah, so Wander Franco Franco would get like nine years under his uh, arbitration and rookie contract. That'd be brutal. Yeah, so it's like absolutely insane. And I I understand why they kind of toss that out there because – they're realizing that a lot of guys don't want to go into free agency when they are like, you know, 31, 32, 33 years old, when they're on their downslide, they'd like to go in when they're, when they're younger, you know, maybe. Yeah. So I, I, it's definitely, it's definitely understandable. And for that to be thrown out there, Hey, let's at least try it. You right, know, well, what it they're doing there. is they're trying to set a base. They're trying to set a line way over here so they can work it to the line. They think that they would be able to deal with. Right. So I'm sure that the owners have had conversations where we're like, well, if we made it 27 and a half, we could live with it. All right, we're asking for 29 and a half. All right. Or this is our this is our secondary proposal if they start to negotiate off of that. That's what you do in a negotiation. You ask for stuff that you know you're not going to get, but you know where you're going to end up in the middle. That's that's how it works. And trust me, again, as I said, I've done this a lot. Okay. So that's that's kind of how you do things. The the other thing is they know that the players want a salary floor. The players are acting like they don't want a salary floor, but in reality, all of Major League Baseball Players Association would love it if the Pirates couldn't just get away with a $40 million payroll. So, so, they, so they wouldn't have to file grievances against them every right. year. So what they proposed is a $100 million salary floor. This must have made Bob Nutting have a stroke because this is the owner's proposal. $100 million salary floor. It would mean that the Pirates would have to add $60 million in payroll, no matter what, this offseason. Like, Brian Reynolds, you're getting extended because they got money to burn. Like, like <laughs> they would have to add payroll. But what they would do is, in exchange for that salary floor, instead of raising the luxury tax threshold, which is currently at about $210 million, bring it back to 180 See, and the players are like, whoa, that's like a salary cap. And they're like, whoa, you can't have it both ways. If you want us to make Bob Nutting spend 60 extra million dollars, then some of the other teams aren't going to spend that much. And you know what's funny about that is, you know the Dodgers will still stay over the luxury tax. There's certain teams that will still stay over it, right? I don't think that affects too much. But again, it's like you can't have everything you want. So they came out with their initial proposal. The other side's going to go, this is absurd, blah, 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 you know, and then they'll come up with their proposal. But the idea is they both know they're not getting what they want. There has to be a middle ground. So you always start separate. 
And that's why when I read these things on Twitter and Facebook about, oh, this is a disaster and both sides are so far apart, they're supposed to be far apart at this point. This is the beginning. There, You know, a lot of deals, I, I'm going to tell you, I, I saw a quote, I can't remember which owner it was, saw a quote, all these guys were always really far apart, and then the day that the arbitration has to, has to begin, all of a sudden everybody settles. Because you, you're far apart until you realize this is the middle ground, and then you pick it. So as long as one side doesn't puff their chest out too much, I think both sides are heavily motivated to come up with something in the middle. I think you're going to get universal DH. I think you're going to have some sort of salary floor. I don't know if it'll be $100 million. I think your your luxury tax will probably end up at about the same spot as it is now with a little bit more of a salary floor, all right? And, and I think that they're going to come up with a different way when it comes to controlling players. But you're going to have to give something up. For every 20-year-old that comes in, you can't have him become a free agent at 24, okay? But then there's no way for a team to manipulate it. You're going to have to, there's a give and take there. Somebody isn't going to like it. So it's going to come down to, does Clark have more votes with the older guys? Do they like this rule? Or the younger guys? There's going to be two rules out there, and he's going to have to take the temperature and say, which one do my, do, to the guys who are voting on the contract, which one do they like the most? And I think that's probably where this is going to end up. And again, I don't see this going into the new year with a lockout. I think December will be a little crazy for a couple of weeks, and then they're going to work this out. And I think the other thing you're going to see is some sort of expanded playoffs. Uh, and I I think that if they give the the players a little bit more revenue in that, um, they'll they'll agree to it as well. They, they What I would like to see them do is, if they're going to expand playoffs, they're going to have to shorten the season. Go man. At least go back to the 154-game schedule, I think it was, back in the time of Babe Ruth. Like, go back yeah. to, like, what the historical season was before they made it 162. If you're going to add an extra round of the playoffs, like imagine, imagine if just if the pirates make it into the playoffs and make it to the world series at some point, and we're still playing baseball in November. Yeah. It'd be terrible. It would be absolutely horrible. It'd be terrible. And, and, and so I think they're going to have to make some kind of adjustment there, but trust me, I mean, as much as the, the players have a lot of motivation for expanded playoffs, because they can sit there and say, well, there's more playoff bonuses, right? Yeah. And if you and the owners, they make more money, and they also get to brag to their their fan bases. Well, we've made the playoffs the last three years. I mean, think of the owners that like are on teams that don't make it to the postseason very often. Now able to act like they're better owners than they really are, even though they're just first round eliminations like all the time. There'll be plenty yeah. of those, right? Oh, it's 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 pretty much it would be it's like the NHL. It's exactly what it is. I right. mean, it's just like how can you not make if you don't make the playoffs in the NHL. You're a really bad team. Right. Well, the only like thing really that stinks is that that also it cheapens the regular season. I think expanded playoffs do cheapen the regular season. I think that if you get to a point where most teams are making it, what's the point of 162? And yeah. and how into the 162 are you really as a fan? Because you won't be into it. Once you know your team's locked in in the middle of July, you'll just lose interest in the team. And then so then like there there's that's a double-edged sword, and we could do an entire show on it, but you have a guest. This week, Jason Martinez from Fangraph sat down with you and uh, Fangraphs. I'm going to tell you, you go on other other sites or other teams when you go on Fangraphs roster resource and you look up a team and you might see a lot of guys playing in positions that that's not who's going to be their second baseman or who gonna, who's going to be their center fielder or who's going to be their third baseman because this is before they go out and sign free agents. You look at the Pirates one, this might be their starting lineup. 
<laughs> like, they literally could have a starting lineup that going around the horn is Stallings a catcher and Moran at first and Cole Tucker at second base. And, and you could put uh, an O'Neill Cruz eventually comes up and becomes the shortstop depending on if they even have to manipulate his service time or not after this is all over. But at some point, he's your starting shortstop. But Brian Hayes is at third, and Alford and Gamble and, and Brian Reynolds are out in the outfield, and there's your starting nine. Like, that, like, that, that is completely possible for this team. The only thing that could change is if they do universal DH, and now all of a sudden you got to add a hitter in there. And, and, if you, and if you have to add payroll, all of a sudden Nick Castellanos is out there making a ridiculous amount of money, even though it doesn't really improve your chances, but it'll put butts in the seats. Like that's, yeah, that's, people, people that. will be happy about that. Right. I mean, nothing has to spend it. So he goes and they, they, they go buy a few toys, you know, and they're a little bit more competitive while they're playing, while they're still rebuilding. You know what? If they did a salary floor, Craig, wouldn't option C from the last podcast, the one where I sat there and spent all their money like a crazy pirate, wouldn't that be the plan then? Right? Like my I, mean, I, plan think would, be- I think, I think, I think at least going towards it, maybe B, right. B C point one Oh or, or two Oh or something. Maybe it would be a version of C my crazy plan on the last podcast becomes more of a reality. After you're done listening to Craig and Jason Martinez, go back and check that out everywhere. Podcasts can be found and always at bucks in the basement.com. You know, I get muscle aches all the time. I've gone from being able to do whatever I want to and not feeling any pain to basically getting pain for any kind of physical activity. Good news, there's a local family-owned Southside business that provides a CBD topical that will not break the bank. Creaky Bone Balm offers concentrated relief for creaky bones. It is an effective hemp-based CBD in a rejuvenating balm. And guess what? It's made in small batches, always free of preservatives, and all natural ingredients. It's great for muscle aches, tension, inflammation, joint pain. You can even use it for skin ailments like burns and dry cracked skin. Right now, go to creakybone.com and use the promo code BASEMENT. Get 20% off your order. And now check out the new 2,500 milligram balm with reduced pricing on their classic balms. Right now at creakybone.com. Jason Martinez, Mr. Roster Resource from Fangraphs back on. Uh, he's been updating all of the team's rosters going into the offseason. Um, and he did the Pirates uh, pretty close to the beginning, probably uh, one of the first groupings uh, because they were so bad. Jason, thanks so much for jumping back on, brother. How you doing? Doing good, Craig. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I, I noticed you threw your Padres in there a little bit, though, too. You you kind of skipped around a little bit. You you did the Pirates first, but then you went to the Padres. That's right. Yeah, I go I go in reverse order, but, you know, when, when, when I'm really looking forward to the offseason because the regular season went so bad for my team, I'm like, I can't wait to just start focusing on the offseason. So Padres were middle of the middle of the group, and I ended up doing them, like, fifth or sixth, so... Yeah, and I and I wanted to bring that up because I, I if anybody hasn't already, go on to you know Fangraphs, uh, follow Jason on uh, on Twitter at Jason R R Martinez. He he did a breakdown of the Padres um, and kind of how they were moving into the offseason, which will give you an idea when you look at the Pirates depth chart page as to you know maybe some of the things uh, that you were thinking. But I I wanted to bring you on to to kind of break down some of the other stuff that. That I had some questions about here. Uh, the first one being, Pirates fans will be, you know, awfully excited when they see that you put O'Neill Cruz as the starting shortstop going into the offseason. 
Um, and that's because, you know, they're basically looking forward to this guy coming up, waited all year. He came up for two games, um, and then you open up the page. Um, how did you come to that decision? Like, what was kind of the process for you in in putting O'Neal Cruz in that starting lineup? Yeah, so so a few things. I mean, and then we still have a long way, long way to go, and there's a lot of – there's going to be a lot of these top prospects. I would, I would say actually not a lot. There's going to be a handful of these top prospects who are a little bit more controversial because they're not yet on the 40-man roster. So somebody like Spencer Torkelson of the Tigers, I have him there already. I have Bobby Witt Jr. on the Kansas City Royals roster. And a lot of it is just, look, it, these guys are going to be up really soon. I mean, if, if, if they don't make the opening day roster, the, those, those types of players are going to be up pretty quickly. And we saw last year with the White Sox, with, with Andrew Vaughn, that was one of those big questions will they just wait a couple of weeks or will they you know will they just go ahead and just put them on the opening day roster and so with, with Cruz a little bit different because he's already on the 40 man he's already been in the big leagues or just a few games um there's just so much hype on him right now and I think it, it's 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 probably safe to say like yeah, he's probably he, he probably struggle at times a lot if they just put him in there and let him play every day um, but a lot of it is just looking at the rest of the roster and go, well, okay, well, who's going to be the starting shortstop? Yeah, you could put Kevin Newman back there. He was so, so bad. I mean, you look at those numbers, and last year as well, and you go, wow. I mean, is, it's more likely that, you know, maybe they'll, they're, they're going to put him into a bench role, a part-time role, so maybe they don't have their starting shortstop yet. Or maybe, you know, I, I, think, I think it's more likely that they try to find a, a stopgap, you know, maybe a – a Freddie Galvez type or somebody that that could you know if, if they it, but it really depends on what what do they think about Cruz do they think he's just going to get he's just going to be overwhelmed right now I mean it, it's it's kind of like it reminds me of of maybe a Jazz Chisholm where I don't think anybody thought he was going to be up in the majors so soon and then you just kind of get blown away by some of the stuff like oh he has that much power and you see Cruz just just crush the ball with just with ease, you know, <laughs> you go, wow, I didn't realize he was that, that good. And so I think looking at from the fan base perspective, they want to see that guy. Yeah. And then from the office perspective, we don't want to throw that guy in there and have him just, just get, just sucked. One of the things that may not make Pirates fans too happy is if they look at yours and they see Cole Tucker at second base. Everyone knows I don't like Cole Tucker, not as a person, just as a ball player. Take me through your process on Cole Tucker, man. Yeah, so what I do is at the, so at the end of the season, I look at overall stats, look at splits versus right-handed pitching versus left-handed pitching, look at second-half-only stats, and then I look at last 30-day stats. And, you know, and I think it was, you know, trying to figure out there's so many options at, at you know, those middle infield spots right now. And none of them really stood out as like, okay, this guy finished off really strong. This guy was really good at the end. Maybe, you know, maybe we'll just, maybe he's ahead of all the other five or six options that, that they got there. Um, and nobody really stood out, but Tucker was the one, it, it seemed like it, they got to a point where it was like, we got to see what we have in this guy. Just put him out there and let him play. And he was leading off a lot. Um, and so my starting point in the off season is just, where did we leave off at the end of the season? Okay, now what adjustments do I have to make? And there really wasn't any reason to move anybody else there at this point. And I think it's early. And, you know, I think 
they're gonna they're gonna add at least one veteran guy, I think. And and I think it's 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 you know I don't think Cole Tucker is gonna be leading off on opening day. I don't I probably don't, I don't think he's even gonna be be a starter. I mean he's gonna go into the spring training in competition with all these other guys, you know Newman and Chavis and and you know you got you got Marcano down there. You got you know Hoy Park. You got Rodolfo Castro. You got a couple other young guys that are that are getting pretty close. Um, and so, yeah, this was just more like, I don't, I, I, it's, it had nothing to do with Tucker. It's just more like <laughs> you go through all the criteria and you go, yeah, I don't, nothing really stands out here. There's no reason for me to move anybody else here. So just t- Tucker was seemed to be that guy at the end of the season. Just, just, so I had no reason to change it. Yeah. Um, I could definitely see that. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately that was, that was, uh, how it ended up there. I know you've been doing this for a while, Jason. No guaranteed contracts going into the offseason. Only $3 million, and that's going to Polanco, and that's only because that goes on the books because it happens after the season ends where they have to you know, buy him out for those $3 million. Have you ever seen this with a team that just basically has no contracts to anybody? I'm, I'm sure it's happened... But I mean, not more than I, I know a couple times, two, three, four times. So yeah, I, I think the Pirates are um, in a situation because you know I, I think they entered that 2020 season that in, in a position where it's like okay, we we don't have much more. We have a couple more guys that have some value that can be traded, but this is a year we're not going to do too much. Let's evaluate what we have. But in only 60 games, you know, it, I'm, I'm sure it wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't a full evaluation of this, you know, where you wanted to be at that, that point of your rebuild. So you go into 2021 and you go, okay, we can't do, you know, we didn't add too much, but let's really get a look at, at these guys on our roster and see what we have. So now we got a full season. Um, so now it's time to, you know, <laughs> there's nowhere to go, go but up here. And so it, it, for me, not being a Pirates fan, just looking at that payroll and going, oh my goodness, these guys can, you know, these guys can do so much in the offseason. Um, and then, you know, from a Pirates fan's perspective, it's probably like, you know, they're not going to do anything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all this money, yeah, but they're not going to spend it. And I think, you know, it's probably somewhere in the middle where I think, they, you know, they're probably going to they have to add to that, to that payroll, but it's also like, it's, Nobody, you know, best free agents are not going to want to go there. Um, so they're they're going to end up getting some bargains because, just because you know there's not a lot of you know the best players are going to go to a team that that has a chance to compete right now. Um, and so, you know, I think the Pirates are going to focus more on okay, you know, maybe we can lock up Brian Reynolds for you know for on a long term deal. Maybe maybe we'll look at it, you know, long term deal with with, with Brian Hayes. Um, not too many other guys, that, you know, with, with a lot of trade value. You know, maybe a Chris Stratton, maybe a Colin Moran. You know, going somewhere as a as a bench as a, as a bench guy on a, on a really good team. Yeah, I mean, they pretty much stripped it down completely, and now they they got to start building. Uh, so, I, I, you know, from from my perspective, this is kind of exciting to see what they do, um, and and looking at at their projected roster now and going like, yeah, this is it's going to probably change a lot. Um, yeah, but they are in a position where at least you know middle infield, and you go look, they have seven or eight guys competing for for those spots, um, but you can't really pencil in any of them. And you kind of know that 
kind of a good feeling that O'Neill Cruz is going to be one of those guys at some point. Um, but then they also have that rotation, that starting rotation, which is like, you know, I don't think they have anybody who would go into, uh, you know, a, a playoff contending team and that they would be penciled into their rotation. You'd be like, you'd have all these guys and you go, okay, this is some good depth. You know, maybe Stephen Brault is a guy who can, who can start, he can, he can really, he can, he can move, he can move to the bullpen if we need him there. Um, but besides that, these are all guys that are just rotation depth and maybe, maybe one of them steps up and that, you know, but, but there's just a lot uh, and not, not a lot of certain certainty there. And that's why you look at this roster and go, yeah, this is, it's a really hundred loss team. Um, and how are you going to, how are you going to get better? And, and you got to start with that rotation. Yeah, the, the rotation, and that's where I was going to go. I, it, it's just a, I was going to, you jump to the next question, which was, where do you see the, what's the, the, the position of need you see the most? And, and it kind of looks like you're, you're leaning towards the starting pitching. Yeah. And I think you can always look at a team like, like look at what the Giants did this past offseason. They, they didn't spend a ton of money. They just, they hit, you know, and, and look what the Pirates, the Pirates signed two major league, it, they had two major league deals last off season. They did. They signed Tyler Anderson and Trevor Cahill. So 50% success rate on, on that. Um, you know, but if you like, if you're the giants and you hit on guys like Anthony DiSclefani, Alex Wood, um, a bunch of other guys as well, that's how you go from being bad to really good quickly. You got to hit on these, on these guys that are, um, that are on either coming back from an injury or for whatever reason their value is down, and so I think the Pirates are gonna are gonna have to to have a really high success rate. They're gonna have to take a lot of flyers on guys like that, um, and they can't miss. You know, uh, on too many, um, they want to jump from you know, 60 wins to 75, get get closer to a 500 team, which is ideally the, the next step in the, in this rebuild. Jason, I, I I love talking with you, man. I mean, I I could probably make this into like a like a two hour show just because I, I love talking off season baseball and everything. But I uh, we're definitely gonna have to have you on back on again sometime, man. Jason, thanks for jumping back on, brother. Really appreciate it. Anytime, Craig. This was fun. Now I see the changes in-